Welcome to First Importance, the preaching and teaching ministries of First Baptist Church, West Memphis, Arkansas. Our prayer today is that you will be blessed and encouraged by the message to come. If you have your Bibles, would you join me in the Gospel of John in chapter 14? The Gospel of John in chapter 14. Today we will be looking primarily at one verse, that is verse 27. This coming 4th of July, as you and your family grill out and swim and light the fireworks, our country will celebrate 246 years since our forefathers declared independence from King George and the British Empire. You may be surprised to hear that of that 246 years, our country has only seen 15 years of peace. Out of 246 years, only 15 years of peace. It's around 6%. Whether it's declared wars or covert skirmishes, our country has spent an astounding 231 years at war. It's astounding when we look at the numbers and read something like this, but we keep pretty good company. A New York Times article written many years ago that said of the past 3,400 years of human history, only 268 of those years have been without war. That's under 8%. It is estimated that 108 million people have died in wars and conflicts in the 20th century alone. War is what we know. It's what we are accustomed to. From 1900 to 1990, it is estimated that 43 million soldiers have died in combat. Now, perhaps you would say that is a tragedy that the soldiers would die in combat but what has astounded me is that during the same time period as those 43 million soldiers have died in warfare it is estimated that 62 62 million civilians have died in that same time period in conflict in the 1990s alone civilian deaths made up 75 to 90 percent of war deaths. Now I read these statistics to you to show you that even though we may desire peace with our lips, our hearts and our veins know nothing but war and conflict. Our spirits long for peace, but our flesh longs for war. And even in the absence of war, in these few years that I have said that our country and the world has been without war, we know all too well that even though there has not been war, there has been conflict and there has been a great lacking of peace. You did not need me to share with you any of these statistics for you to understand the lack of peace. You feel it in your heart and in your lives. As anxieties and worries grip you, you understand when there is strife between you and another family member or another friend or even in the church, you understand that peace 
is lacking. Our hearts are broken. Our churches are filled with broken relationships. Our families are filled, our homes are filled with broken families. We long for peace. Do you long for peace today? I've got really, really good news for you. Because in our passage today, as Jesus is approaching the cross, in the last hours of his life, when, as we have said before over the last several weeks, there was every reason for his disciples to have been comforting him as he approached this moment in time where he would take upon his shoulders the weight of the wrath of God... For all of the sins of mankind, there was every reason for all of the disciples to then turn to Jesus and begin to minister to him. But that's not what has happened, is it? In these last hours, Jesus feeling the weight of the cross coming his way, he is investing in his disciples. We read it first in chapter 14 in verse 1. Don't be troubled. Don't let your hearts be afraid. He'll echo that several times. He desires for his people to be at peace. And today, our main verse that we're going to look at today is John chapter 14 in verse 27. As he approaches the cross, Jesus says the following to his disciples. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Would you pray with me, please? Father, in this room, I feel it on my own back, in my own heart. I know that my brothers and sisters feel it, the burdens of this world, the lack of peace that is in our lives, the lack of peace that is in this world. And Father, I pray that today as we come to your word, that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts and illuminate the truths of your word in our hearts. Father, I pray that we would grasp tightly to you and to your promises written in this word. And Father, that this would be a source for us in the midst of difficult and troubled times to cling to Jesus because it's only in him and in our walk with him and in our fellowship with him that we experience true peace. Lord, we long for it today. And so I pray, Lord, we beg you as a church, that you would extend that peace to our hearts today as we embrace your son. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we will look at the subject of peace. As Jesus promises peace to not just his disciples, but yes, to you, believer, who are sitting in the pew today, and yes, you believers who are sitting at home and watching us online, and yes, even you believers who are listening, listening to us via our podcast. Today, we speak of the peace that only Jesus can provide. Now, when the Bible speaks of peace, the Bible speaks of peace holistically, when you and I think of the word peace, we think of it in a negative sense. That is, 
we think of peace as just the absence of war or the absence of conflict. That's why uh, a mother or father might be wrangling with the two or three kids. I said two kids because this is getting real personal to me all of a sudden. And you say, I just need some peace and quiet. What they mean is I want the conflict to cease. I want the gibbering and jabbering and the yammering to stop. I want the conflict to be over with. And when we think of peace, we normally think of it just negatively. Just the absence of conflict. But when the Bible speaks of peace, it doesn't speak just of the absence of conflict negatively, but it speaks positively. Not only is there an absence of conflict, but there is a presence of wholeness and completeness. Even when you're, you feel like the conflict is absent in your life, there are times when we feel like we're just not complete. Something's just not right. Everything's just not there. I'm missing something. When the Bible speaks of peace, it speaks of the absence of conflict and the presence of completeness and wholeness. And that's what Jesus came to provide. Amen, church? Jesus came to provide peace for his people. Now, in the Hebrew, the word peace is shalom. And in a sense, it's similar to the Hawaiian word aloha. I've never been to Hawaii. I keep waiting for some Baptist preacher to invite me to come do a revival there and maybe somehow get the expenses paid for. But, you know, in, in, uh, uh, in, when you're in Hawaii, you say aloha, it's a hello, and it's a goodbye. Now, in the Hebrew world, when you meet someone, it is standard for you to say shalom or peace. It's my hello. It's my salutation. It's my welcome. It is uh, speaking before the conversation even begins. I desire for peace to be on your life and on mine and in our conversation. And when an Israelite would depart from his friend's house, just as he entered the house, he would say peace, shalom. As he leaves, he would say shalom, peace, goodbye, farewell. May peace rest upon your house and upon mine. And now Jesus, preparing to go to the cross, offers this goodbye that after the resurrection will serve as a hello. This goodbye to his disciples, this poetic imparting of peace to them that is given to both the disciples then and to us now. I want you to observe with me first the peace inherited. The peace inherited. Look with me in verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. As I said, the, Jesus is preparing to go to the Father. His disciples are troubled. Their life is crashing down in front of them. All of their eggs have been put in Jesus' basket. And it seems as if they have placed it in a very precarious place. His calming presence and power has long been the source of their peace. And that is now compromised as they are sure Jesus is telling them, I am about to go away. I'm about to die. I'm about to be betrayed. Their peace is at stake. And so Jesus is going to 
as he gives this farewell, as he uh, prepares to leave, he is going to give them a gift. Here is his gift. Here is my peace. In a sense, when we read these words in the original language, it is almost as if he is bequeathing this peace to them. He is leaving, but he is giving an inheritance to his people. I'm leaving you with my peace. When we are tempted to worry and to fear, when we think that life is not going the way that we ought to, my friends, as believers, we can have great joy and great peace because Jesus has given us peace. It is our inheritance. It is what he has given to us. Now, he can do this for several reasons. Now, firstly, I want you to know that Jesus can do this because he is the king of peace. He is the prince of peace. Isaiah chapter 9 and verses 6 through 7, when prophesying of the coming Jesus, Isaiah would say, for to us, a child is born To us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. My friends, Jesus is the ruler of peace. Peace is his kingdom. It is underneath his authority. It is his turf. That is to say this, if you want to experience peace, True peace, you cannot find it anywhere else but in Him. Oh, you can search high and low, and you can try to fill the gaps and the holes in your life with various things. But all of those sorry substitutes for peace will leave you wanting more. Jesus Himself is our peace, He is the King of peace. You heard it said, No Jesus. If there's no Jesus, there's no peace. But if you know Jesus, you know peace. That is true. Jesus is the prince of peace. And he can leave that peace with us. He can give it to us as an inheritance because he is the one and the only one who exercises authority over it. When the angels come and they sing of the coming of Jesus to the shepherds in the field, they sing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he favors. It is at his discretion because he is the ruler of peace. He has the authority over peace. Perhaps today you're looking for peace. My friends, look no further. Stop going to those sorry substitutes in your life that keep you wanting more, that make the holes in your life seem deeper and more dark. Jesus is the prince of peace. Not only is he the king of peace, but the king himself has made peace. Peace is a defining feature of the ministry of Jesus. You've heard it said in Matthew eleven thirty eight, Jesus tells his disciples, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Don't you know that he wants to provide that for you? He wants his people to experience peace, true peace, lasting peace. 
The angels sang of his peace at his birth as he rode into Jerusalem in the triumphal entry days before his death. The people would cry out, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And as he's approaching the city, Jesus would say, when he drew near the city, as he's weeping over it, he would say, would that you, would that you, even you had known on this day, the things that make for peace. Peace is a defining feature of the ministry of the life of Jesus on earth and even now. He continues to intercede for those who belong to him. Can I get an amen? Amen. Jesus longs for peace in your life. He is the ruler over peace and he has made an avenue. He has provided peace for you. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14 that he himself is our peace. Are you lacking peace today? Is there conflict in your life? Are there anxieties weighing you down? Do you feel incomplete? Do you not feel whole? My friends today, embrace Jesus, the Prince of Peace who has bequeathed peace to you. He has left it for you. Now this isn't name it, claim it, frivolous talk. The name it, claim it movement which has promoted and idolized self over everything else that has manipulated scripture to try to get what you want out of any given situation. But if ever there is a scripture that you can name it and claim it, it is if I draw near to Jesus, I can be assured that I'm going to have the peace that he provides. He has left peace for us. And if he's left the peace for you, Maybe you should use it. Maybe you should claim it. Maybe you should cling to him and hold on to it. We have seen here today so far a peace inherited. But now I want you to see as we continue to look at verse 27, a peace unequaled. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Jesus has not left us worldly peace. The only peace that the world has to offer is partial and insufficient. It's it's contingent upon uh, another's ability to provide it, their power, their friendliness toward you. The worldly peace that the world would try to extend to you is temporary and shallow. John MacArthur would say, That the world's peace is the bliss of ignorance. But we have been given God-sized peace. We have been given authentic and true peace. Jesus says, not as the world gives it to you. Do I give it to you? I'm giving it to you. It's my peace that I'm giving to you. It's unequaled. It's unlike anything else. Let me tell you about the peace of God. Number one, it is given to us in great measure. It's given to the undeserving in great measure. Romans chapter 5 in verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But then he goes on in verse 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
When did Jesus make peace for you? When you were lovely? When you loved him back? Is that when Jesus made peace for you? Did Jesus make peace for you when you, uh, when you uh, said, you know, I've tried every other avenue? When did Jesus make peace for you? While you were his enemy. While you hated him. Now you would say today, Josh, I never actually hated God. I would never say that out loud. But with each pump of your heart to serve yourself, with each uh, desire in your heart to promote your sovereignty over his, it is a proclamation of your hatred for his authority and your hatred for who he is. While we were enemies, Christ died for us. And if he died for us while we were his enemies, now as his children, how much more of the blessings do you expect that we would have as those who belong to him? It is a peace unlike any other peace. It's given in great measure to the undeserving. It is a peace that surpasses all understanding. I'll never forget uh, in 2000 and, oh man, I'm getting to the age where I'm forgetting years. <laughs> in 2007, it don't make a difference to you. It doesn't really make a difference to the story, honestly. So I don't know why I'm continuing to go on about it. But in 2007, I had uh, been given the news that I was going to be deployed overseas. The church gathered around me and prayed for me in a sweet elderly lady in the church who's gone to be with the Lord since then came up to me after service and she was uh, I would say at that time I would say she was more was more charismatic in in our church than anyone else more expressive certainly she grabbed me she held me and she hugged me tight and then she stepped back while holding my shoulders and she said I'm going to pray that God puts you in his peace that surpasses all understanding bubble. And I said, what does that mean? I didn't say that out loud, of course. I'm not rude. Uh, what does that even mean? <clears throat> now, you, those of you who know me know that I am a scaredy cat. I jump very easily. And so the very idea that I would be in any type of war is very like Gomer Powell-esque, right? <laughs> you look at me, how in the world could this guy ever be there? <clears throat> I will never forget this as long as I live. There was one night I was sitting, laying down in my bed when I heard this giant rumble overhead and this giant explosion. So I grabbed my helmet, put it on, grabbed my weapon, walked out and got in the, in the bunker. And I saw the smoke rising less than a football field away from us. We were sitting in there, and I'm surrounded by menly men. I mean, people are not scared of anything. And I remember looking around and seeing some tears and some fear. And one of my friends said, Sergeant Hall, aren't you scared? And I realized, you know, I wasn't. Now, how could it be that scaredy cat Josh from the town of B.B. Arkansas would jump at the slightest thing and here in warfare 
not be scared in that moment. Why? Was it because of something in me? Absolutely not. Positively not. And I remember in that bunker, that sweet lady grabbing my shoulders and saying, I'm going to pray that God surrounds you or puts you in the peace that surpasses all understanding bubble. You know, Philippians 4, 6 through 8 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, don't that sound good? Don't that sound a lot better than the burdens and anxieties and worries that you and I carry? Doesn't that sound just like a little taste of heaven? But that's what God has provided for us. God has not left for us a peace that is understandable or comprehensible. He's left for us a peace that no one can wrap their minds around. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. Now that word surpasses in that text in Philippians not only means greater than, but it means, uh, it means something that controls or has authority over, which means God's peace in our life guards and protects and has authority over everything else in our life. My friends, are you walking close to Jesus? There is a peace unequaled waiting for you, my friends. A peace given in great measure. A peace that surpasses all understanding. A peace for troubled times. Speaking of peace that surpasses all understanding, Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Now, if there's ever a time where we might justify fear and anxiety and a lack of peace, it would be if a mountain fell over into the ocean. But here, the scripture is teaching us that because we have such a firm foundation in our God, because of the peace that he has provided, though everything that we know as foundational in our world today should fall away, we could be okay because he's still our God. He's still our strength. He's still our hope. My question to you today, brothers and sisters, we have been given a peace that has been inherited, that we have inherited. We have been given a peace that is unequaled. Now, finally, I want you to see with me that we've been given a peace that was, is meant to be enjoyed. He continues, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You want that kind of peace that we've spoken of. All of us want it. You have it. It's there. If you are born again, if you are a follower of Jesus, that peace is available for you. Not to be spent on your own selfish desires. Not to be spent on your own flesh. That peace has been given to you by the Prince of Peace for you to use in the midst of the trials of this life. Jesus cared very much for his disciples. Even though he was going to the cross to die, he says this to his disciples, I don't want you to be troubled. I don't want your hearts to be afraid. How many of you need to hear that today? 
Jesus doesn't want your heart to be troubled. He doesn't want your heart to be afraid. He's come to bear those burdens for you. Are you clinging to Jesus? Are you holding on to him? Are you gazing at him in his word every day? This, your quiet time every day, by the way, is not for intellectual knowledge. I read my 10 minutes and I'm done. I read my, I read my devotional for today and I'm complete. No, no, no. That's not what this time is for. This time is to gaze upon Jesus in his word and to walk with him. And to hold on to those promises. Mr. Rick Couples across the street would say of this verse, it's a promise that you can take up and you can put in your pocket. And in those difficult times, you can grab a hold of that promise and hold it close to your heart. That peace is available for you and for me. It's unequaled and it was meant for us to enjoy. This peace is ours. If you'll just cling to Jesus. Now, does that mean that troubles won't arise? Does that mean that everything's going to go your way? No. There'll be a time that's going to come where all conflict will cease, where all death will be over, where all sickness will be remedied. There's coming a day when those who are born again will be in the presence of Jesus forever and ever. And there will be no more conflict, no more death, no more sickness, no more tears. None of that. There's coming a day when our king will reign uh, in, in heaven and we will be with him forever and ever. But until that day, he has given us his peace to be enjoyed here on this earth. Applied by his precious Holy Spirit as we walk closely with Jesus by prayer and being in his word. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now he continues this thought in verse 28. You think that he's changing subject, he's changing course, but he's continuing. He said, you heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. It may at first seem as if he's changing course, but actually what Jesus is doing here is he's continuing to give them a solid basis for which they will have peace. He is predicting, he is telling them what is about to take place. He is telling them of the joy that should be theirs, this peace being solidified. If you believed what I told you, you would rejoice that I'm going to be with the Father, that I'm going to be in his presence. I can't imagine those years, Jesus here on earth, being encased all around with sin and wickedness, and yet still displaying kindness and gentleness and love, speaking truth without compromise. But now Jesus is returning to his father in that place where one day, by the way, he just said in chapter 14 in the first six verses, he's going to prepare a place for us. If you want to have peace, think that our God has provided peace and he is going to prepare a place for us and there we will be with Jesus forever and ever and ever. Peace unbroken. So are you going through a struggle this week? Are the burdens heavy on your back? This message is not to say shame on you. 
but to say, there is one who's come to take your burdens. There is one who's come to take your place. There is one who's come to provide for you peace. And if he's come to provide it, church, you better take it. Why should we look like the rest of the world with their anxieties and fears when we have been given the peace that surpasses all understanding? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Thank you for joining us for this episode of First Importance. We invite you to check out our other sermons on this podcast and to join us in person on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m., as well as streaming live on Sunday mornings at 10.45. We hope to see you soon at First Baptist West Memphis, where we love God, care for one another, and share the gospel.